You're listening to The Grindstone, a philosophy podcast from Purdue University. What's up, everybody? You're listening to The Grindstone Podcast, the official podcast of the Department of Philosophy at Purdue University. As always, I am your host, Matthew Kroll. I am the Academic Program Manager of the Department of Philosophy here at Purdue. Uh, Somewhere on the other side of the country, Caroline Cross is currently stitching this together, editing this, and producing this. Thanks to her, as always. Bonus episode this week. I mentioned it a couple weeks ago. Um, really excited about this just because it was such a unique opportunity for us. This goes all the way back to August 21st of 2019. So early in the fall semester of this year, uh, this year is our 150 years of giant leap celebration. So celebrating the 150th anniversary of Purdue University's founding. As part of that, the College of Liberal Arts put together a Celebrate Liberal Arts Week which took place in the Purdue Memorial Mall. And as part of that, former colleague of mine in the College of Liberal Arts, Katie Pratt, who is now the Director of Brand and Marketing Strategy for Purdue University, but in the fall had a similar role, uh, Director of Marketing and Communications uh, for the College of Liberal Arts, she suggested maybe we host the Grindstone live outside for this Celebrate Liberal Arts Week. So the way we ended up doing it is we called it Ask a Philosopher. So I was out there with all the recording equipment and different faculty, postdocs, and grad students from the Department of Philosophy would come out there and join me for a half hour, an hour, 20 minutes, whatever they could spare. And we would try to get passers-by, mainly students, to come ask questions of philosophers. So I was... (laughs) sort of giving passers-by a hard time asking them if they loved wisdom. Shockingly, many people do not immediately respond yes to that question, but nevertheless, I'd ask them uh, if they'd ever taken a philosophy class, what they think philosophy is, uh, if they hadn't taken a philosophy class, what they think a philosophy class is, what they think philosophy in general is, and then they would have an opportunity, these passers-by, to ask a question of the philosopher visiting the booth at the time. And this generated some great discussion. Now, before I circle back to that, I want to just say, uh, and this is not to make excuses, but I was out there by myself. We were right by one of the main thoroughfares in the Purdue Memorial Mall. So some of the audio ended up not being great, either because I just, you know, didn't have the levels right or the the recording wasn't great, or there was just a lot of commotion at the time, say if it was in between classes, there was a lot of people around or just noise. So some of it, the ambient and background noise just made it too difficult to keep. Having said that though, for being out there for four hours, we got a lot of really good quality audio. And what I've heard of this so far, what Caroline's been stitching together sounds great. So this is just a little introduction to that. Um, Again, this was August 21st, 2019. This was the Grindstone Ask a Philosopher booth. And so what you're about to hear are passers-by, mainly students, asking members of our philosophy department questions that they have on their mind. We have here a sampling of the best dialogue and best questions from that day. Uh, When you start listening, the people that visit the booth will introduce themselves. People from the department that are featured here are Drs. Dan Kelly and Leonard Harris, graduate student Brandon Erdzak. We also have postdoctoral research associates, Drs. Morgana Lambeth and Michael Augustine. We have a very special guest who visits the booth, which is the very last segment. But anyways, in the meantime, hope you find this interesting. I certainly did. We look forward to doing things like this again in the future. Uh, And again, what I'll say is a lot of this is just you know, slices of the banter and the dialogue we had that fit this particular purpose for this episode and was just good audio. Towards the end, you hear two longer, more extended conversations. And I think what you get out of that and what we hope you get out of that is 
what it is philosophers do when they're engaging you in discussion. And that's not to say that there's any strategy on their part. There isn't anything, you know, nefarious here. There's no, you know, magic they're trying to do to your mind. This is people who have studied philosophy their entire lives and love philosophy and are now professional philosophers or on their way to professionalizing, taking up a conversation with someone and clarifying and framing that person's comments and questions along the way to be able to better understand it and help articulate it in a way that allows them to then give a sound philosophical response. So again, this was the Ask a Philosopher live event as part of the Celebrate Liberal Arts Week last August 2019. Thanks again to everybody who stopped by. Uh, especially the faculty, postdocs, and grad students in the department for their time. But also thanks to all the passers-by and the students who stopped by to ask questions. We thought this was great, and hopefully we'll be able to do this again in the future. Thanks for hanging in there with us, everybody, during this time. Uh, Really appreciate if you're listening to us and using this podcast to pass some of your time. Uh, Hope to be back in the booth, a.k.a. my office, soon and working on the music and philosophy series next fall. But in the meantime, thanks again for listening, and thanks to Caroline for putting this together. All right, stay safe, everybody. Thanks. Bye. This is the Grindstone, live from the Purdue College of Liberal Arts 150th celebration week. We are in the middle of the Purdue Memorial Mall. I'm joined by associate professor. Associate professor, that's right. Dan Kelly from the Department of Philosophy. Hello. We are in a booth that I guess is titled Ask a Philosopher. We're giving the opportunity for people to ask us questions or at least ask Dan questions. They can ask any question they want of a philosopher. No takers so far. It's about 1026 in the morning. I've been asking people if they love wisdom. Do you love wisdom? Does anybody love wisdom? Do you you love wisdom? I can tell you love wisdom. You should have a button that tells people that you love wisdom. Do you have any questions you'd like to ask a philosopher? I'm a philosopher. He is a faculty member. Do you have any questions you'd like to ask him? <laughs> hmm, I don't know. That's a good question. Let me ask you this. What do you think philosophy is? Oh. I think philosophy. <laughs> I don't I don't know like a deeper sense of thinking. I'm not quite sure. That is a great answer. Good, yeah. That is a great answer. <laughs> have you ever taken a philosophy class? I have not. No. No. Um what is your name for the record, please? Maddie. Maddie. Maddie, thank you. Do you have any questions you'd like to ask Professor Dan Kelly? They don't have to be profound. <laughs> I don't know. What do a lot of people? What are the common questions that a lot of people ask you? Uh, the common questions that people tend to ask philosophers are: well, the first one is always, "Who's your favorite philosopher?" <laughs> oh. um, but you know, the big questions: uh, is there a god? Is there an objective fact of the matter about morality? Okay. Do I have free will? All that stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Let me ask you a question, Maddie. Do you think you have free will? feel like that's up to the definition of what free will is. See, you're already a philosopher. <laughs> yeah, you should really double major. You should double major. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, thanks for stopping by. You know you were the first person that stopped by today, Maddie. Really? Yeah, yeah. And for the record, you crushed it. All your questions were great. All your answers were perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, round of applause for Maddie. <laughs> do, do you love wisdom? Yeah, it's pretty useful. That's a fantastic answer. First of all, let me give you this button and any other swag that you might want while we're out here. Um, what do you think philosophy is? I think it's about uh, construing the many different aspects of humanity and making a coherent guidance for people to live on. That's a fantastic answer. For the record, what is your name? Jacob. Jacob, have you ever taken a philosophy class? No, I can't say I have. Are you interested in taking a philosophy class while you're here at Purdue? Well, I have elective space for it. (laughs) Fair enough. What's your major? Engineering. First year? First year. Okay, so this is Associate Professor Dan Kelly of the department. 
Dan is great. He teaches a wonderful intro to philosophy class. Do you have any philosophical questions you'd like to ask of Professor Kelly? Do you often see a merging between different regions of philosophy, like Western and Eastern philosophies, into something newer or something yeah. people would find interesting? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there, there's actually, these days, more and more people are thinking about uh, particularly sort of Buddhist conceptions of uh, reality and Buddhist conceptions of the self or no self. And then there's people who do sort of neuroscience-based philosophy of mind from a Western perspective. And there's a really cool dovetailing of these two schools of thought right now that people are working on. The, the Buddhists may have been onto something that the science is sort of catching up on. Um, that we okay. don't have any persisting self, that it's all okay. just sort of a, you know... Well, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah, like high school classes are usually just based on Greek philosophy. Right, they don't really build much more than that. So, it's pretty yeah, neat. yeah, yeah. So we're wrapping up the first hour of the day out here on the Purdue Memorial Mall, celebrating the Liberal Arts Week. I guess it's Liberal Arts Celebration Week for the 150th celebration again this is the grindstone live we have a booth up today called ask a philosopher and my guest from the philosophy department for the first hour of the day was professor dan kelly uh dan thanks for joining us thanks for having me and let me ask you one question so gavin who recently just spoke to us um basically asked you the question how are you and there was some question as to whether or not that was a philosophical question. Yeah, that's right. But I have asked you this before. I, as a Hoosier born and raised, love small talk. And you seem to have an interesting philosophical take on the value of, sm or lack thereof, of small talk. So maybe the question, how are you, isn't philosophical, but maybe there is a philosophical way we can frame or consider those questions. Yeah, I think f small talk is actually, uh, you know, a lot of times for academics maybe... Um, the stereotype of a philosopher or something is that small talk is uh, useless and they, that it's, you know, let's get to the issues and talk about stuff that really matters. Um, but I think that misses the point of small talk, which a lot of times it's not really about the literal subject matter of what you're talking about. Um, it's just about a way to engage with someone else and sort of touch base and it's a kind of... Uh, verbal grooming of each other and mutual acknowledgement <laughs> and just taking the time to exchange some pleasantries with someone can uh can do a lot of subtle work um even if it's you know we all know the weather's too hot and we all know that you know mondays suck and blah 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 <laughs> but uh but even just you know touching base with someone can do a lot to reassure us that we're all in this together establishing a sort of Hum, interpersonal human connection in a way just exactly. yeah being exactly. part of the, the human fabric and as you say we're all in this together and in a way I think that's a good point to end on because in a, in a sense I feel like that's what studying philosophy can do is just maybe sort of uh, make you more aware of those kinds of conversations and also give you interesting things to talk about maybe when you're in those conversations but do you think that's right that in studying philosophy in some ways can make you sort of aware of that er conversation if you will behind the small talk <laughs> that that's actually just a um, a more fundamental connection or something like that. Uh, I definitely think that's right. I like the idea of like a, an er conversation behind it or like the, the voltage of human connection which lies behind the, 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 the literal words that you're saying to each other is pretty nice. important. And one of the nice things about philosophy is that, you know, it gives you this, this sort of perspective about which you can ask interesting questions essentially about anything, you know, for any given X. There's a philosophy of X. Um, so you can you can keep a conversation going just with the skill set you with philosophy, even if it's just small talk. Dan, great note to end on. Thanks for being out here. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. We had some good. We got some good stuff. Uh, Michael Augustine, I can see him walking over right now, is joining us for the second hour of the day. Um, again, associate professor, Department of Philosophy here at Purdue. Dan Kelly answering questions from the public today. Thanks, Dan. Peace. So here we are for the Grindstone podcast. We have two guests. May I ask your names, please? Hi, Joanna, Melissa, 
What we're doing out here today is ask a philosopher. So do you have any questions you would like to ask an actual living philosopher? I should introduce our guest. This is Michael Augustine. He's a postdoctoral fellow in the Department of Philosophy. Do you have any questions for him? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I have loads of questions, but right now my brain's <laughs> racked with... Ask one. Hmm. What what does the meaning of love mean to you? We had to write one for English class last year, and I still couldn't understand it. Oh, my goodness. The meaning of love. There's so many meanings of love. I think I'll borrow something. Well, let me ask, Let me, if I may, you say there's so many meanings of love, Joanna. What Explain that. For, so, like, different culture-wise, mm-hmm. love can mean, like, that's, I love you. It's, like... This is a strong word that you would reserve for one person. But then there's me or people that are very bubbly and say, I love you so much, or <laughs> tell people, I'll see you later, love ya. And yeah, I, yeah, I've yeah. noticed I've done it like recently a lot. Even to my guy friends, I'm like, bye, love you. And I'm like, wait, wait hold what? up. <laughs> Sorry, can I take Imme- that immediate, back? <laughs> yeah, immediate call back. Yeah. I'd like to clarify what I just said at the end of that last phone call. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love you, but I don't love you, love you, (laughs) right? It's like the college version of being in middle school. I like you, but I don't like you, like you. Very confusing. So back to the question, love, definition of love. He says it's two souls becoming one, one soul, two bodies between two people. That's what love is. Okay. We lost one. Oh, no. Anybody. So I, I love her. I do love her. Yeah. So I don't know you, but I guess I'll love you. <laughs> That's my question. Melissa, you have, a, you have a question to ask a philosopher. As the bells chime for 11, what is it, 1120, 1130? All right. Mm, I don't know. What's, what's the purpose of staying busy, actually working towards something. Because we die anyways. So what's the point of me doing any work right now? That got deep real quick. Why not just, I don't know. (laughs) Well, so I I would say go to the beach, but there's like no beach nearby. I used to live in Santa Barbara, so that's what I would always tell my students. Mm. What's the purpose of doing anything, given that we're all just going to die in the end? Probably to benefit those around us, benefit our community, benefit those who are going to live on beyond us so that they can do the same thing for those that are going to live beyond them. It's not just about you, but about, about what you can do for others and the community in which you reside. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This whole summer I've been thinking about life crisis and how we just go to school. Yeah. Then you got a career, yep. do the career and job, explore, I guess, and then you pass away. And then you leave something behind, right? Like the sure. things you do. But really, all, all in all, just you, you end with blackness. Joanna, first of all, let me just, let me just jump day. in. Let me jump in and tell you that I love you, okay? Because I think you need that right now. Let me ask you some, let me ask you some simple things. Uh, what is your major? Hospitality, tourism, and management. Have you ever taken a philosophy class? No. I've taken sociology different ball game but I think you should double major in philosophy because I think you want to get to the bottom of that blackness that you were talking about Melissa what's your major same as hers what hospitality have you ever taken a philosophy class uh no what do you think philosophy is I mean in terms of a subject like what do you think the subject of philosophy is um I know a lot of it's just studying what old philosophers developed over time (laughs) <laughs> Which is like the basis of it, and then eventually, like it's built on your set knowledge of uh, what people are saying over time. Fair enough, Joanna. What do you think? What What is philosophy as a subject? I don't think there's a definition to put it. I asked many people what philosophy, what we learn at Purdue. It's introduction to philosophy. What it is, and we don't really go in depth of further questions. Hmm. Um, you would if you double majored because we have some very specific <laughs> classes. Oh. Have you heard about the Degree Plus program? You can add a philosophy major without adding the, the liberal arts core. All right, thanks for stopping by, guys. Thank you.
All right, so first things first, introduce yourself, please, for the Grindstone listeners. My name is Tommy Morley. I'm uh, 28. I'm a senior here at Purdue. About to graduate in December, so I'm completely stoked. I'm just kind of focused on that. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I'd like to continue on uh, getting an MFA. Let me ask you a question. Do you love wisdom? I love the idea of it. I love the idea that people can come into it, but it takes a long process, and it's it's not so, it's more of discovery. It's not necessarily something you can proclaim that you have. Usually, the ones that do don't have it. So, yeah, I like to I like to believe that it's there too. If I could drop this mic and I wasn't worried about it breaking, I would drop the <laughs> mic because that's that's the best thing anybody said all day. No, I'm kidding. We've had a lot of great people stop by, but thank you. That's awesome. Here's a question for you. Have you ever taken a philosophy class? I'm taking my first philosophy class this semester. I'm, nice. Yeah, I would like to take more. It, it's incredibly, it, it's interesting. It's, 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 it's like it speaks to things that I think. I've listened to things like Alan Watts and Terrence McKenna and some of this, I don't know if people like Jordan Peterson anymore, but he kind of gets philosophical. So yeah, I'm taking one now if that answers it. Yeah, yeah, do you mind telling us which class it is? Yeah, it's just um, Introduction to Modern Philosophy, so we're not really getting into anyone quite ancient like Aristotle or Plato, but I've read some, some good ones. Of, I've read like po- poetics and things of that, but. Nice, so that's 303, Philosophy 303. So here's another question. So you're taking a philosophy class right now, but what do you think generally the subject of philosophy covers? What do you think philosophy is as a subject? Besides, I guess, an ordinary answer of asking the big questions, but to break it down, it's trying to make sense of everything that we shouldn't be trying to make sense of, because that's not really what animals do. Because we are essentially, that that is what we are, I think. Uh, We want to know beyond what we can see and understand why it's even there in the first place or what the functionality Mm. of it is or how it could affect us or impede us and I guess use it for our growth but they're questions that are almost paradoxical at times or things that we can't really even answer so we speculate and sometimes the best thing is just to ask the questions you are crushing this (laughs) I cannot tell you Dude, I'm sitting here right now thinking maybe I need to take a class with Tommy. Um, so here's what we're doing out here today. It's called the Ask a Philosopher. <laughs> Ask a Philosopher. And Michael Augustine here is a postdoctoral fellow in our department. He is a scholar of ancient philosophy. Um, do you have any questions you would like to ask a philosopher? Yes. It, it, it might be borderline biological and psychological, but I, I want to know what the actual meaning of the existence of having a subconscious is. The meaning of our subconscious is. Yeah, I've done not like a lot of research or written anything about it, but it sure. is this huge processing, computer-like, um, I don't know, ethereal exist, like thing that exists within us that we can't really tap into readily. It almost has to come to us. And yeah. I'm curious... Are there ways to get in touch with it beyond what we can do, or how does it influence us more than we know? Wow, I think I might actually be stumped. Tommy has stumped the philosopher. (laughs) Nice. Tommy stumps the philosopher. So, okay, so let's think about this, though. And maybe it is biological or psychological, but um, clearly the ancients were dealing with questions about the right the interplay with the natural world our mind our thinking how we come to know things in the subconscious so what's maybe a way we could frame the importance of our subconscious our subconscious excuse me sure to to go back to questions uh, that a previous guest had, to just to be able to navigate life. What do you think? And and, I re- and Tommy's right. Maybe this is biological or psychological. Sure. But what's your armchair response to what? Why? Why do we have a subconscious, and what does it do for us? So let me lean on Aristotle here. Aristotle thinks that the human soul has roughly two parts. There's a rational part where we're calculating, we're reflecting. And then there's a non-rational part. And part of the non-rational part does the regulation for like digestion and the pumping of the blood throughout the system. But there's another part that listens to the rational part. And it's there that we find 
the virtues of character that are cultivated in us through habit. So maybe, and we're stretching here a bit, but maybe the importance of the subconscious comes into play when we're thinking about the kind of character that we want to have. We recognize that we need to habituate ourselves to behave in certain ways when we find ourselves in certain situations. And if we do just actions, we'll become just people. If we do courageous actions, we'll become courageous people. And that's the role that the subconscious is. It works together with our rational, deliberative, calculative part to help us lead a kind of flourishing life, the best life for a human being. Okay, I needed a minute. Now I'm less stumped. <laughs> that was a terrific question, Tommy, man. Thank you. Thank you. No, yeah, really curious about these things. Also for personal gain and usage, I want to, it's kind of like that, I don't know, like finding that perfect power that would power the entire world you know that's cost effective I want that I assume that's what the subconscious is so I'm being selfish here when I ask this question <laughs> yeah <laughs> but that's you know in a sense that's what we want right like what are you interested in what matters to you what yeah. questions do you have because we're interested in everything but we want to hear what you have to say thanks so much for stopping by today man that was awesome absolutely thank you Tommy Oh, thank you so much for letting me talk. I appreciate it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am excited to announce that we have a distinguished guest stopping by the Grindstone Ask a Philosopher booth today. Would you like to announce yourself, sir? Yeah, I'm Seren Matei, Professor of Communication, Associate Dean of Research, too, and Graduate Education. That's what that is. I'll be honest with you, the reason I didn't say your title is because it's so many syllables, I knew I would have screwed that up, so thank you. The, but yes, Associate Dean Soren Matei has stopped by. Um, can I ask you a question? Yes. Do you love wisdom? Yes. Do you, have you ever taken a philosophy course? Uh, my major in college was philosophy. Really, your BA was in philosophy? And, and history, actually. History and philosophy was the double major. That's awesome. This is sort of a broad question, but um, was there a particular skill or something that you feel like studying philosophy gave you, d aside from your academic career, which obviously has been successful for you, but was there something in terms of just living your life generally that you feel like studying philosophy equipped you with? Yes. Uh, I, I, I learned how to define things, and it's not a trivial skill. A good definition is not just about stating the obvious, which is the synonym, or finding the closest synonym to the word that you just stated. A good definition is to state, everybody note it down, write it down now. <laughs> state the specific difference and the closest kind. Or start with the closest kind and then write down the specific difference. In this respect, you know, how do you define a human? Remember, you know, Socrates was asked, and somebody says, flip, said to flip on By your definition of definition, Socrates, a man is a, is a, is a, is a, is a featherless, is a featherless animal, right? Because it has two biped. biped, right? <laughs> and I said, you're wrong. There are a lot of featherless animals that are not like humans. Uh, and then Aristotle looked at it and said, um, they did not talk to each other at that point, but you know, <laughs> about 100 years later. But I was like, you know what? It's the social animal, right? You know, human are social. Well, but where social for him wasn't just social as in bees. Social, he said, you know, uh, it's a city animal. You know, that's what he said. It's a zone politicon. It means mm -hmm. being a, a city animal. That is fantastic. I'm going to stop there. You can stay here and talk, but I'm cutting that take right there because that was perfect. <laughs> thank you for telling us what wisdom is, and thank you for all you do for the College of Liberal Arts and for stopping by today. And thank you all for making uh, the College of Liberal Arts great again. Quick point of clarification. It was Plato who said that man was a featherless biped, and it was Diogenes, the cynic, who burst into the lecture hall holding a featherless chicken and said, Behold, Plato's man. Nice. Nice. That's the story. Nice. <laughs> this is Brandon. You're perfect right there. All right. 
All right, so we are recording live in the Purdue Memorial Mall for the 150 Celebration Week for the College of Liberal Arts. First, I'll ask our philosopher to introduce himself. He just stopped by a little bit ago. Uh, my name is Brandon Ridzak. I'm a uh, graduate student uh, wrapping up my dissertation on Spinoza at the Purdue Philosophy Department. So, Brandon, thanks for coming yeah. by to help out. And we have a new guest here at the table. Your name, please? Deshaun Theron. Nice to meet you. I'm going to ask you some basic questions just to kick this off. Number one, do you love wisdom? I like wisdom a lot. I don't know much about it. <laughs> then you're at the right place. Let me ask you this. Um, have you ever taken a philosophy class, whether here at Purdue or anywhere else? No, I have not. What do you think people do in a philosophy class? What do you think a philosophy class is for? What do you think a philosophy class is about in terms of you know the subject? contemplating the deeper ethics of humanity. Is that what you think philosophy is, to contemplate the deeper ethics of humanity? I thought so, unless you can enlighten me. I am not the person that can enlighten you. Brandon may be able to help. Oh, that, that's absolutely a big part of what, what philosophers do. Yeah, philosophers are interested in uh, contemplating uh, the deeper ethics of humanity, as you put it. We're interested in like moral questions and, and broader ethical questions, like what is it to live well? What is it to live a good life? What's the right right or wrong thing to do in a particular situation. Uh, what, what, what do you think of, though, when, when, when you say that philosophers contemplate the deeper, deeper you know, ethical questions? Well, I just think that because humans are able, are self-aware, instead of like most other animals, they can know right from wrong because they're very conscious, like conscious. And yeah. so philosophy is a study of that. Yeah. And, and do, do you have any... I think I think all that's right. Do you do you have any particular questions about that? Like what what maybe do you think is 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 right and wrong, or how would you go about determining what what is right and wrong? Uh, I would take a utilitarian standpoint on everything, just maximizing the utility for everyone in a society. And um, question for you is: Do you what do you think is right and wrong? Are humans good? Are humans evil? Oh, so. So for me, well, it sounds like, first of all, you're a little familiar since you, you referenced utilitarianism. You know, oh, to okay. maximize happiness is one of the, one of the varieties. Uh, and your question, what do I think is, uh, or what do I think of human beings? Are we, yeah. are we inherently evil or are we inherently good? Mm -hmm. My view is that we are probably neither. We're not, we are, we are inherently, uh, I, I think, we have dispositions that can, can manifest themselves in, in evil ways that can harm humanity, and we also have dispositions that sort of, uh, I think, can, can lead us to do good things. Like, it seems to come natural when we, we see somebody suffering, we have a little bit of empathy, we want to maybe help them, but we can also, uh, I think, we have dispositions to, to maybe uh, react uh, badly in, in certain situations. So I would say that we are maybe a mixed bag. It's not, I would, I would say we're maybe not it's not so cut and dry. We're we're either good or we're we're bad. But but what do you what what do you think on the issue? Because I mean we love we love challenges. We love people who disagree because that that makes for an interesting conversation. Well, I've always thought humans were good, but there are, people have a self-interest. Sometimes it's about their values in mind that causes them to have self-interest in certain instances. And I wasn't sure as to why that happens and like why they choose to be self-interested versus uh, for the good of the whole society. So, so do you think that when we, uh, so we're, when we're born, we're born pretty much with like a, a blank, blank slate, ethical slate maybe we can right. put it, where so we, we, we are born with good in our hearts, so to speak, and, and later, later we, we sort of get, get corrupted as we go along. That's right. sort of the idea. Yeah. Yeah, so... That's a, that's an interesting idea. I think I think a lot of uh, a lot of philosophers still still talk about that question uh, whether whether we're inherently good or bad. But um, maybe maybe we can explain or attempt to explain why why it seems that human beings get corrupted along the way. It seems like a lot of people um, uh, just have desires for certain things and they they promote those desires over the over the the good of others. Would that sort of maybe get at what what you were saying when when uh, we're, we're born good but we uh, get corrupted down the line would it be like they're privileging their desires over over other people's desires okay. yeah, what, what do you think about that 
it does get at what I was saying, but I'm just not as sure as to why. Like, if everyone is from a utilitarian standpoint, wouldn't it maximize the, like, total happiness of a society and just what's preventing people from doing that? Yeah. I guess it would play in if they were sort of, they're, they're trying to maximize their own happiness and not, not take into account other, other people's happiness in the process. But if yeah. there was some way to, like, transfer this happiness so it's split equally amongst everyone? Yeah. For, for example... Uh, do you think people would be willing to think like this? I, I'm not sure how many people would be willing to do it, but I think a lot of us can be convinced. Uh, so, so some philosophers uh, will, will ask, well, what's so special about me or what's so special about you compared to everyone else uh, that, that makes you like inherently or me more inherently deserving of happiness? than someone else. So some, some philosophers have argued that there's something uh, irrational about, about that sort of a, a thing. It's sort of like a privileging your, your, yourself over others when there's nothing, like what is it about some people that could possibly justify their, their like entitlement to, to more happiness than others? Um, I'm not sure, what, what do you think about that? I mean, that I would never have an answer to. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a very good point. Some people do feel entitled to happiness over of themselves over others. Yeah, yeah. But well, it was a pleasure having a conversation with you. You too. Uh, I enjoyed it. Maybe we'll bump into each other. All right, the Grindstone Podcast live in the Purdue Memorial Mall for the College of Liberal Arts Celebration Week as part of the. 150 celebration for the broader campus. Uh, it's been a good day so far. We're interviewing people, passers-by as it were, for an Ask a Philosopher segment. Currently joining me is Dr. Leonard Harris, professor in the Department of Philosophy. Dr. Harris, thank you for joining us. Thank you for letting me uh, be here. So we are going to ask people if they love wisdom and see if they have any questions they'd like to ask of a philosopher. We've had some, I, I have to say, We've had some luminaries stop by today, including none other than Purdue Pete. So Purdue Pete has stopped by. Anybody out there love wisdom? Any any wisdom lovers? No. I I know you. Do you want to be on the podcast? Come on over. We have a guest here who is working the booth next to us, which is the League of Women Voters of Greater Lafayette. Uh, please introduce yourself to the Grindstone Podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Pat Greenan. I'm here working with the League of Women Voters to register people to vote. Unfortunately, this will air much later than the event itself, but if you're out there listening and you aren't registered to vote, register to vote because you don't have to do that today at the booth. You can do that any time of year, correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, before an election, you must be registered to vote 29 days beforehand. Awesome. And can I ask you a question? Do you love wisdom? I love wisdom. Have you ever taken a philosophy class? I, hmm, good question. I don't recall. It was many years ago I was in college. Well, let me ask you this. What do you think, what do you think philosophy is as a subject? What do, you think, what do you think we do in a philosophy classroom? You do a lot of discussing. You talk about why, what, why, what. That, yes, that's basically it. In fact, I think, I think I'm going to stop recording right now because that is, that is exactly what we do. It's why, what, why, and what. Fact, I have just a little anecdotal story. When I was in college, there was a student that had taken a test of philosophy. Uh, the question on, on their philosophy test was, why? And their response was, why not? And they got an A. Dr. Leonard Harris, what do you think about both that question and that answer? I think it's a very good question, frankly. You can always ask why questions, and also you can do a big, what's called a Wittgensteinian move. You can interrogate the question itself. You know, you can ask what criteria would you use to answer the question. So you could ask that. Yeah. What is the criteria for asking the question? What's the criteria? Not what's the criteria of asking the question, but what would count as a proper answer mm -hmm. to the question? What criteria would you use? Well, do you think it was a good question? Well, you said, why, you know, yes, you can ask, you can say, well, it's a good question, all right. However, there may be a problem with the question itself. 
Right, you I, know, I can see that. You know, why so, is there, you know, why is there, why is there life, for example? Or what is the meaning of life? Well, and maybe, based on the question, the student would know what the professor was getting at. So yes. you assume some things before you ask the question, knowing who the professor is and what he was after. Yes, could Or do that. she. Yeah. Well, thank you. I enjoyed Thank you so much. Thanks for stopping by. Of All right, folks, we are out here in the Purdue Memorial Mall for the College of Liberal Arts Celebrate 150 Week. Uh, I have a new guest on the Grindstone podcast. Uh, the philosopher for the last half hour of the day is Morgana Lambeth. She is a postdoctoral research fellow in the, is that correct, in the Department That's of correct. Philosophy and also works with the Cornerstone Integrated Liberal Arts Program. That's right. Morgana, thanks for being here. You're welcome. And we have a new guest to the booth, a passerby. Introduce yourself, please. Molly Barrett. Molly Barrett, thanks for being here. Molly, let me ask you a question. Do you love wisdom? Yes. Okay, that was an emphatic answer, and you seem very confident. Why do you say that? Um, wisdom allows us to make like good decisions not only for ourselves but also for future generations. Let me ask you another question. Um, what do you think philosophy is in terms of a subject? Like, is something you can take a class on? What do you think philosophy is? The exploration of life. That is a fantastic answer. Have you ever taken a philosophy class, whether at Purdue or otherwise? Uh, at my school, we had an environmental ethics class, which was underneath philosophy. Yeah, no, environmental ethics counts. Anything under ethics, I would, I would submit, counts. Um, what's something that makes you curious about, say, the human condition or the universe or our existence? What are the consequences of individualism, and are we seeing it today with climate change and, like, refusing to, like, get along with each other? Like, if we were more of a community-based, not only in, like, our own, like, at every level, like, local all the way up to the world <laughs> level, <laughs> would we be able to, like, solve these world problems, like, at a faster and more efficient, I guess those two go together, but way. <laughs> Yeah, so let me see if I'm understanding your question correctly. It seems like what you're saying is there's this contemporary trend where it seems like individual happiness is really, really important, right? So what should I do with my life? I should go and do whatever makes me as an individual happy. And if that's not like serving the community or doing something for my family, fine, whatever. Whatever makes you happy. Um, is this something that's had a negative impact on the environment? And would a more community-oriented approach, like, be better for the environment? Yeah, and just a little bit more than that, but, yeah. like, I was thinking more individualism in the sense of, like, oh, I need to, like, make some money so if I break my foot, I can actually, like, take care of it. Like, not just, like, my individual happiness, my individual survival. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, I see. So is the thought like nowadays people, it's kind of like an every man for himself or every woman for himself kind of thing. Like I can't rely on other people. Um, so it, like I have to make my life all about me because I'm the only person that I can rely on. And I don't have time or energy or anything to care about anything else. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like you're asking this question about individualism on two different levels, right? Um, there's this sort of like, I don't know, as an individual, maybe I want to be a millionaire or I want to do at least as much as I can to get adequate health care or something like that. But it seems like you're also suggesting that this is something that comes to play on like, like, um, like a political, like countries are kind of being individualistic in this sense where it's like, I can't cooperate with other countries because I have to sort of look out for my own interests, right? So if other countries come to me and say, listen, can you take this measure that's really important for the environment? Um, I can't really just do that, right? I need to look after my own interests. Um, but at any rate, I want to kind of get at some sort of answer with the question that you started with. Um, so because of issues like, like these, these issues of, of kind of like needing cooperation at an international level. Um, some philosophers like Immanuel Kant 
say what we need are cosmopolitan institutions, right? We need something like the UN or something, right? We need we need these bodies that are international, um, where people are kind of coming together and and they're agreeing to things and cooperating on this international level. Um, so you might think that this is like one potential solution to this kind of problem? I don't know, does that seem sufficient to you? Like if we have a community like that, right? A United Nations and everyone's participating or something, is this gonna solve I mean, the problem? kind of what the Paris Accords were supposed to be about. Right. But if the, if the person that's causing 30% of the damage to the world <laughs> decides, hey, no, then some others might feel like, well, why should I do that? Like, yeah, um, because one of the heaviest hitters are not participating in the community, that kind of makes all the other participants that were going to agree to that community like, oh wait, um, maybe I should just look for out for myself if we can't work together. So, like, could someone answer to your initial question? Well, look, self-interest, right? Like, individualism is actually going to be what gets us out of it. Like, we all want to survive, um, and we can rely on this instinct to to sort of resolve this environmental issue rather than community. How long do you think you're gonna live? A um, hundred more years. At least. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> so by that logic, we only need to make our world survivable for a hundred years. Sure. Okay, so the self-interested perspective only gets us so far. Yeah, I mean... That's a great point. If everybody cares about their kids, and their kids' kids, and their kids' right. kids' kids', kids, kids yep. Like, yep. then maybe. But that, I feel like your family is a community as well, so... That's a great point. Yeah. Um, good. So, okay, we've talked about a couple of different things. One, <laughs> it seems like self-interest isn't going to like get us the solution that we're wanting, because we want a longer-term solution. Second, it seems like um, like cosmopolitan institutions like the UN, like these these like you know international institutions, they're not giving us enough, right? It seems like um, they're not able to like enforce their suggestions. People might have reasons for thinking this isn't going to be effective. So these institutions aren't going to be enough. So like, what do we have left? Yeah. That's what I asked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoops, <laughs> was I supposed to answer that? <laughs> okay, I mean, so, like, I mean, so yeah. I'm obviously coming from a natural resources yeah. perspective. And, like, I'm sure an economist could weigh in, like, way more. Like, the economy is king, cash is king in our society. So, like, yeah. and I'm asking you as a student, philosophy, to me, is a student of life. Mm -hmm. So, like, would it be possible to make cash not king? Like, yeah. Good. That's like one of the only ways I can see it really working, or to really like one thing we're seeing in um, it's called Payment for Ecological Services (PES). Uh -huh. So ecological services are clean air, clean water, carbon sequestration, um, ecotourism, going for a walk, whatever. So you actually put monetary value to these things, uh -huh. um, and hopefully, if the market. See, it depends on the market, though. Like, even if yeah. you have money, you still need a market. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, hopefully, the cost of not tearing down an acre or hectare or whatever, a forest, overcomes the profit that you get from palm oil or something. Right. But we're not really seeing that yet. I see. Yeah, we so... We did with Brazil for a bit, but that's just changed. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, so... One thing that I wonder is if you could, like, do kind of like, um, like a multi-level approach. So one, okay, we need these international institutions that that are going to kind of like create dialogue and, and cooperation and stuff like that. But maybe we also need like, um, I don't know, very concrete like everyday practices of community building, right? Like in your day-to-day -day life or something like that, right? Maybe maybe these sorts of practices um, of, of just like, I don't know, like coming together with people that are like actually in your physical community, like helping other people, maybe this creates maybe 
some some different values than just cash seeking. And maybe if this is our perspective, it will um, make us feel like we have more of a stake in, in these kind of international cooperative type stuff. What do you think about that? and gentlemen we have the guest of all guests the surprise guest of all surprise guests i am now sitting across the table from none other than purdue pete pete let me ask you a question do you love wisdom shakes his head yes would you like a button i realize you probably got a lot going on today Lo there it is. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Branded, Purdue Pete loves wisdom. Let me ask you this. Have you ever taken a philosophy class? That's a shake. That's a yes. Purdue Pete has taken a philosophy class. Thumbs up or thumbs down. It was an awesome class. Double thumbs up for Purdue Pete. Purdue Pete, if you can, for me, pantomime what you think a philosopher is. Strokes the chin. <laughs> Strokes the chin. Yeah. Scratches the head. Oh, down to the, the thinker, thinker pose. <laughs> <laughs> Purdue Pete, thank you, sir, for stopping by. Thank you so much for your answers. And, yes, let me ask you this. Obviously, we're getting into football season. Thumbs up or thumbs down. What, what are you thinking about the Boilers this year? A huge double thumbs up for Purdue Pete. That has that has eight and four written all over it. Is that is that good or no? Higher, twelve and zero. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stop even messing around. <laughs> Purdue Pete on the record at the grindstone gives me the double put, put it down. <laughs> Podcast this bad boy. Put it out in the world. Purdue Pete calling it boilers twelve and zero this football season. <laughs> Woo! Podcast gold. Thank you, sir. The Grindstone is brought to you by the Department of Philosophy at Purdue University and is supported by the College of Liberal Arts at Purdue. Our intro and outro music is by Al Terity. You can follow the Department of Philosophy at Purdue on Facebook at Philosophy at Purdue, on Twitter at Philo, all caps, P-H-I-L-O, underscore Purdue, and on Instagram at Philo underscore Purdue.